It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. NFL training camp is heating up, both literally and figuratively. Training camp is off the rails right now. If you go on Twitter, you're a fantasy football bro. You see every play, every highlight clip. You see nonstop training camp news, hype on certain players, negative reports on other players. How do we handle this as best ball drafters and fantasy football drafters? What are the things that we should be keying in on so far that we've seen in camp? And how do we, from a macro level, handle this explosion that has happened in the fantasy football space with training camp reports and training camp news. That is what we are going to cover here today on Spike Week. It goes here, spikeweek.com. Let's do it. All right, for the live viewers, I apologize. We're running a couple minutes behind. It's because I uh, am not used to clearly uh, being a self-sufficient adult and taking care. I don't even have kids. I can't even. I can't even fathom uh, what I would have to be dealing. I. I, I have. I get a, a whole new respect for parents and people much more mature than myself. Uh, when my wife goes out of town, I have to deal with two shithead dogs and I can't even start a YouTube stream about fantasy football on time. So I can only imagine what people with real responsibilities and real, yeah. uh, you know, real things to worry about. But, um, you know, this time of year uh, is kind of, you know, we're into August now and we are very much in the stretch run of the best ball season. Obviously, still lots of time to draft and lots of things are going to change. Unfortunately, some players are going to get hurt. We're going to learn about some things that we didn't know about before. But we're we're at this part right now where I think this conversation about training camp is like super important. Obviously, keeping tabs on news, we're going to continue to do that all the way up until the season, right? Even if we're drafting a team. We drafted a team last night, and uh, we're talking about some of the training camp news. And, and, of course, staying on top of it, our rankings at Spike Week are going to be updated as frequently as as can be with with news and all of that but i think the conversation just about like take a step back like remove yourself from twitter from refreshing twitter and watching all all the the training camp plays and think about like how do we handle this time of the year and all of this news that we have access to and like do it to make a better like portfolio of best ball teams is like Honestly, one of the maybe most important things, at least in terms of most important things that don't get discussed a ton. 
it's like we all talk about our favorite players and we're all grinding the news and we all see, you know, Desmond Ritter threw a pass behind behind Kyle Pitts once. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, that's it. Falcons still suck. But I think how do we appropriately handle this time of year when it's really easy even for the most seasoned drafter, seasoned fantasy football player to get swayed by things that they're seeing on their timeline or other people retweeting or other people putting comments out there. How do we handle that right now? Is like, this can make or break your whole, your whole season, right? Guys are going to wildly change their price and all that kind of stuff. When do you buy? When are you catching a falling knife? When, how do we handle all that? I think that's, it's a really important conversation. How do you filter out what you're seeing? How do you differentiate the the different reports? So do you want to talk about how wildly swaying it can be? Yesterday, I saw a thing about Michael Thomas being like an absolute beast again. He's ready to go. He's, he's amazing. And today I saw a report from a camp reporter that said, it's very obvious that Michael Thomas is not in football shape. And he's got a lot of catching up. I saw that. Yep. So it's the juxtaposition of what people are seeing day on a day to day basis. How do you evaluate that? How do you read into it? How do you not read into it sometimes? Right. Like you don't have to read into everything. To your point, everyone's amazing at camp. It's (laughs) just, and the other part of it is so you're mixing all this in. And you're also getting, you know, the more casual drafters. It's August 1st. Training camp starts. People are starting to hop in drafts. I had to draft Najee Harris today for the first time (laughs) because he fell two and a half rounds and I hated it. Like it was like, it's like, this is ruining my whole bit of having 0% Najee, but you had to do it. And you're going to see weird shit like that. Like I was shocked with like a running back with Najee falling like that with a bunch of um, probably more novice. The, the draft was real weird, but I'm noticing more weird drafts is the point. Yeah. Yep. Right now. So even the one me and you were in the other night was a little weird. It was a little off, off base and it's more and more. And you got to be able to juggle literally everything now. It, it, there's a, it's a lot, there's a lot better value. There's a lot of things, but you have to keep up to date with all of it. And it's a lot. And uh, yeah, it's, it's evaluating your process and the news you want to listen to. But I also think your point about Najee is we, we can throw our Najee takes out the window. Um, but I, I liken it to, I'm not comparing Najee to Josh Jacobs of last year, but the reason why I had at the small percent of Josh Jacobs that I did last season was because he hit this time and of course it was a little later for him but still it's still i'm still gonna put that into training camp news it was hall of fame game right which is uh was it, it was either the first preseason game or were they in the hall of fame it was game? the hall of fame game yeah he played which will the be, hall of fame game right which is which we're gonna have this week and um josh jacobs you know is playing right all the starters are sitting out he's playing in the in, you know and that's all the there was already real concerns and i think it's easy to go back and do, um, you know, uh, revisionist history and say, well, yeah, he was always going to do this. I don't think that that's true. I think there was a there was a very wide range of outcomes for what Josh Jacobs was going to end up being. We never really seen him as a workhorse. We don't see very many workhorses across the entire NFL. Josh McDaniels has never operated in that way. Josh McDaniels 
drafted Zamir White and brought in his, you know, two like pass catching dudes in yep. Amir Abdul. Right. There was all this. And so my take was like, I'm not drafting fourth round Josh Jacobs or whatever, you know, whatever his price was at the beginning of the year. I was out. Was that right? Wrong. We can debate that uh, till the cows come home. But he fell like by the end of the draft cycle, you were getting like eighth round Josh Jacobs. And I was like, okay, it's time to throw out my opinion on how this is going to play out and get my Josh Jacobs now. Right. I didn't get him in the fourth round. I got him in the seventh and eighth round, which is like, look, should I have had more than three or 4%, which is something I think what I had like 3% Josh Jacobs. Sure. Yes. I would love to look back and say, I, I, I drafted him more, but the teams that I did draft him on were the best versions of the Josh Jacobs teams. Right. And I think that is what's happening right now. We're going to get that. Right. And sometimes I, the Josh Jacobs stuff, um, was real. Like it wasn't, I know it didn't play out and end up mattering, but look, all the things that I just said about Josh McDaniels and the other running backs in that room and the fact that he was playing in the hall of fame game, those are real things you should factor into your valuation of Josh Jacobs. But what it did not change was his like pure ceiling. Right. And so you get into a room and you mentioned Najee Harris, you don't like Najee Harris. But he, he he he's in a room where he starts falling, and he's not a you know the perfect training camp news guy. But we are Jalen Warren, right? They, they keep talking about oh, Jalen Warren's going to be out there. <laughs> this is another favorite uh, training camp thing. They're going to play both of the running backs at the same time. That's the thing right now. Yeah. Najee and Warren are going to be on the field together. I'm like for like two snaps a game maybe. But that's the thing that we buy into, and it's like oh shit. Jalen Warren is the guy, maybe not Najee. So he falls and you're like, you know, nothing has really changed, tangibly changed for Najee Harris, but in a certain draft, he may fall around two rounds or something like that past ADP or his whole ADP, you know, may adjust like Josh Jacobs. And it's like, I don't like Najee, but I can, I, I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm wrong all the time. I could yeah, be wrong yeah. about him. We all are. The best fantasy players are wrong about players all the time and so this is a great time to make sure you do what you just said with Najee Harris or do what I just talked about with Josh Jacobs last year it's like if you're going to get that guy get him at the prices that are the best and build the best fucking Najee Harris teams that are out there right build the best Josh Jacobs teams that are out there because you're getting the best prices on a guy that you didn't necessarily love and you probably still don't love but being uh, open to the fact that you might be wrong is like, th- I, I feel like this is the time of year where I start doing that. Like my opinion hasn't changed of my favorite guys, Sam Howell and Rashad Penny. And certainly your opinion of the chiefs hasn't changed. No one's opinion. <laughs> uh, like no one's less excited about the chiefs. Right. But you can find little ways to make your portfolio better at this time of year. If you're willing to sometimes set aside your biases, because there are going to be, major fallers in some of your drafts and it's going to be the time to take them now when we're all drafting against all the other sickos in may guess what like that like that you're not getting those crazy values on on fallers but you can get them now and you can build some of the best teams with certain players and it's like would you rather have eight percent Najee Harris 
but you took a bunch of him in the third round or 3% Najee Harris. And you took a bunch of him when he was falling on all these teams. It's like that. That's the thing we're dealing with right now. And the funny thing about the Josh Jacob things so that we can button this up is August is when we're supposed to quote unquote, no more. So like when you're doing the barbell approach, you're doing the early drafts because you're supposed to be able to, theoretically maybe build some super teams but then you're drafting in august because that's when you have all the information josh jacobs did his falling like you said in august last year when we quote unquote knew what josh jacobs was going to be and that's right now <laughs> and the knowledge it actually became one of the most highest advance rate players of last year because we quote unquote knew so he fell but we were wrong so just because we think we know, we don't know, and we need to evaluate those situations on a definitely on a case by case basis. I know yeah. I was grabbing a ton of Jacobs last year at the end. At the end, at the very like I said, I, I mean I did not have a lot. Like I said, I want to call it three percent. I'll go back and look, but maybe three percent Josh Jacobs. But it was literally all at the end, seventh, eighth round Josh Jacobs, and those teams were really fucking good. Shocker, yeah. eighth round, you know, eighth round uh, superstar running back. That that helps. Um, what I do want to do here here today is just cont- this exact conversation. This is the whole point because we could probably come up with examples for hours and hours about all these types of situations that happen now, where it's human to react to something that you see, some news. Even like I said, even with Josh Jacobs, when it is. It's real. Like this wasn't Jamar Chase has a drop problem, right? That that, that happened for anyone that uh, wasn't oh, in tune two years ago. Uh, Jamar Chase, they had new footballs, and he was supposedly struggling with catching the new football. And in the preseason, we actually saw it. You know, he dropped a couple passes in the preseason, and it was like, oh my god, Jamar Chase stinks. You know, he was a rookie at the time, so we hadn't seen we, – we don't have the track record that we have now. And he fell. He was fought like plummeting in drafts. Fast forward a few months from there, and Jamar Chase is the air quotes guy you needed to win, literally was the guy you needed to win best ball tournaments. And it's like he's he's now the 102, the consensus 102 in drafts. And you look back and you're like, that was so stupid. But it happened, and it affected the market. Josh Jacobs was a real, like we, like you said, gathered real new information that we didn't know in May. And it was appropriate, I think, to drop his, you know, rank, if you're creating rankings, to drop his ranking a little bit. But it's also appropriate to then buy him during, during this dip, because we could all be wrong about, and we are wrong about all this all the time. And these guys, you know, guys that rise and fall and all this stuff. And at the end, we look back and we're like, none of that shit mattered. Like, n- like none of it mattered throughout the course of the, the off season. There will be things which we're going to talk about here shortly, like that I do think matter, but it's, it's a, th- that balancing act. Like you said, that is so important at this time of the year because we have, Oh my God, man, this year in particular, it's like, I got to stay off Twitter. Like I, I, so I be, this, this year is a, is a year is what I, so say. I, I wanted to bring, have that conversation. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the news that we have received. And then we'll talk about like <laughs> kind of the opposite of we've received this news, but maybe we shouldn't worry about it too much. 
how are you sort of handling the fact that at, we basically it's like we're there at almost every single one of these training camp practices and that's that's like really helpful and really powerful if you can decipher it you know what i mean and so um i'm just going to bring up another example from this year which we'll, we'll probably get into a little bit more as well but desmond ritter he was the one that has stuck out to me the most so far where for whatever reason he threw one pass behind kyle pitts uh yesterday i believe in in uh, practice and that shit went viral it was like a two you know when last year when tua would throw a, an underthrown pass to tyreek it, it went viral like he sucks it's over don't draft kyle pitts don't draft desmond ritter he's terrible we told you he was terrible we all think he's terrible i think he's terrible too but for whatever reason that one clip like took over the desmond ritter discourse then if you go dig in a little bit there are falcons beat writers there who come out after practice and they say this was an elite day for desmond ritter for desmond ritter mm -hmm. he was like it was i'm gonna misquote it i should have pulled it up he was something like 10 for 11 in group periods the only incompletion was that pass that, that went that went viral behind Kyle Pitts. They were basically saying this was like one of Ritter's best days. The offense looked awesome. He looked awesome. Pitts looked awesome. But like for whatever reason, people ran with that. Like I saw people saying like, I don't know why there's all this Ritter hype. See this clip? This is I told you. I told you he sucks. And it's like, well, but his his he was actually awesome today. So you're you're literally wrong. <laughs> if your point was, I told you he sucks, he sucked in practice today, you were wrong because he was good in practice today. You could be right about him and he could still suck, but it's so easy to get sucked into that. And like, how are you just like, you know, in a practical sense, because you don't want to ignore everything, but you don't want to get sucked in and overreact to anything anyway. So like, how are you balancing that personally? Well, it's knowing how to get the information to evaluate is is the process we all see the highlight clips right i found an mvs highlight clip today it was great i loved it <laughs> did i evaluate anything based off of it no because what you have to actually do when you're doing these things like there's the big george pickens one going around today where he you know and you could evaluate that tape 300 different ways. It's offensive pass and interference. Read the, and read the comments that everybody right. did evaluate it. About, yeah, it's, it's OPI. He had to come back for the ball. He couldn't separate. But how can you separate if you're getting underthrown? Like, it's, it's a million different things. So what you actually have to do, you can't just look at the clips. Because the clips are posted because we know why. It's for engagement. That is 100%. exactly what clips are for. So I actually think that it's a harmful process for a lot of people because all they're doing is like, Oh shit. I saw, I saw Michael Thomas catch a, a back shoulder pass in the end zone today. Well, you didn't see that he had to get taken off the field and suck <laughs> wind for 10 minutes. Right. But if you go through and you find the beat reporters for these teams, and I'm not telling you to do it for every team every single day, but if there's like situations that you're looking at that you want to know about like backfields and stuff like that, you need to dig into who's doing beat reports at camp and you need to find the ones that are doing it every day that are there for the most part every single day and start reading what they're saying because they're there every day at practice. You get some of these reporters, you know, they have to bounce around from camp to camp to camp. So, yeah, that one reporter might have saw Michael Thomas make a great play. 
The other guy's been there for four days and says that he hasn't been in football shape. He's having trouble on the field, right? Which person do you want to listen to? The one play or the overall evaluation of the entire week? Yep. Right? Don't get sucked into the hype. It's almost, it's actually like just not beneficial to be looking at the highlights at all, period, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does, it's probably hurting more people's drafts than anything because they're just like, again, we've talked about this before, but like just confirming your priors is what people are looking for. And that's the Ritter thing. So the Ritter thing is people have already said that he's a bad quarterback. He's not Atlanta's future, this, that, the other thing. You find that one clip of him being bad, everyone that's on that smear campaign is going to put mm-hmm. it around. And you know what? Desmond Ritter might suck. Desmond Ritter might suck. It might be a thing. But you can't base it off of one camp highlight. Dak Prescott threw it. Awful interception today. But I haven't dug in to see if that was the whole if that was the whole practice, right? Like, and I see people like going like, why is Dak Prescott still the starting quarterback? Because he's a top 15 quarterback in the league. Like it or not, he is. <laughs> like that is yep. what he is. So it's it's understanding the process of having to gather information, which is in a lot of things, to be honest. But specifically for best ball in August, start digging into certain team situations you want to see. You want to see what's going on with the Seahawks? JSN makes a great catch. Let's go see what the snap count is, who's running with Geno Smith most of the time, right? That's the stuff you need to be looking at. Right. It's It would be very easy for me to confirm all my Jalen Hyatt priors because everything is yeah, he's amazing, uh, right? Jalen Hyatt made a big play, right? He just toasted this guy in one-on-ones. Fastest like, man alive. Yeah. He's the, he's the, <laughs> the second coming of Christ out there playing wide receiver. <laughs> like, you know, it'd be very easy for me to confirm those priors, but also he had one target with Daniel Jones <laughs> in two days or whatever. It's like, you know, he could be good, but the whole point is, like you said, there's it's so I, I think it's similar to me, and this is kind of an extension of that, where most people probably don't have an edge in like actual individual player takes. Most mm-hmm. people, but that's like pick any speculation, gambling, whatever, right? Like you don't have an edge in most of the things you might even feel like you have an edge. In. And it's really easy to feel like you do in football because we all watch it. We all, our eyes are telling us something. It's innate as a human to be like, yeah, you know, Desmond Ritter sucks. What are you talking about? Like I watched, I watched two of his games at Cincinnati and I watched two of his games with the Falcons and he looks terrible. And it's like, you probably, you know, you're probably right. I, I also agree that he probably sucks, but you're, you're much more likely to, again, that, that example where you see that negative play that he made and it's like well guess what Mahomes had one of those today too you just didn't see it and you don't give a shit because you know that Mahomes is amazing but they miss everyone misses throws everyone has bad plays the best of all Mahomes is maybe the best quarterback of all time right Tom Brady misses throws shit Tom Brady missed a shit ton of throws last year uh it it just happens but it's so the easiest thing to do right now is to fall into the trap of confirming your priors and it's okay if the news is my prior was this player is the best bet to be the backup running back on this team. And then he is the backup running back on this team. It's like, you just got new news that confirmed your prior, but it's tangible news about where the depth chart is, but what most of Twitter is and what all our reactions are. And I will get to 
why it's it's okay to react in just a second but make sure you're not make taking too many actions in your drafts based on the fact that you saw George Pickens make a highlight reel right if you liked him and he made this highlight reel catch I, I hate to tell you it didn't change anything right it it it, it changed absolutely zero but who the backup running back is on a certain team right that tangibly changes some things does it mean that the guy who right cincinnati travion uh uh, shout out to him he sprained his ankle today those kinds of things that shit matters right if travion misses camp and he's battling for that backup bengal spot that that absolutely matters will he could he still be the the backup sure it's not over but it, it matters a lot that george pickett's plays really fun and it was cool to watch amazing catch he's a really fun player to watch but like it doesn't matter for our drafts yeah. we shouldn't draft him higher <laughs> because of that pick you know what i mean and then the only other thing i do just want to say before we get into some more actual thoughtful kind of analysis type stuff is like it's also okay like what is the point of doing all this if we don't have fun the other my timeline mm-hmm. is the highlights and the, the clips people overreacting <laughs> to, to the highlights and the clips and people shitting on the people who are overreacting to to the clips and it's like we can kind of do we can assess all of it and enjoy the fact that that george pickens catch was legit insane i actually don't know how he caught that that was fun as hell and he's a fun as hell player but like it was literally on my timeline the pickens catch somebody retweeted it and right above it was someone else saying like the george pickens catch was cool but i like players who get open and and, you know are actually Uh, good at football or whatever and it's like (laughs) bro come on we can all we can also like in just you know what else is cool yeah (laughs) i don't remember uh, who it was but i saw i also wanted to say shout out to that person if peeing your pants is cool consider me (laughs) miles davis uh but that's like it's like also like don't do that like we can also have fun with the whole process like we're we're losers drafting hundreds or thousands of fantasy football teams we can enjoy a george pickens catch and so um it is just though i think almost we can talk all year, all summer, all that kind of stuff about our favorite players and our favorite structures and all that kind of stuff. But right now is when you get in drafts and they're the highest variance and you have to be able to appropriately react, right? Like when do you chase that guy up the board? Which uh, there's a good uh, question in the chat that we'll get to, mm-hmm. right? Tim Patrick's hurt, KJ Hamler. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever going to play football again. Like all these different things start happening. When do you chase the steamer? When do you buy into the hype that's happening, right? When when is it real? When is it not? When do you buy the Josh the falling Josh Jacobs? That's the stuff that we can actually win money with, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to win money. We're not here to be right. It feels fun to be right, right? You love George Pickens; he makes that catch. It feels fun, but that doesn't tangibly change our uh, you know paths to making money, and that's what we're here to do. So, yeah, we should probably get into this um, Marvin Mims question because. Let's do it. I think it is the perfect example of the camp stuff that you obviously need to be completely aware of, right? We already liked Marvin Mims going into the season. I was already drafting Mims at a, you know, not a crazy high clip, but he was getting, he was getting sprinkled in there for regular teams. He was getting sprinkled in there for some stacks with Russ, some bringbacks to chargers. Chargers, Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I was already drafting Mims because of that stuff, but, this is a great question. Now that Tim Patrick is done, like for the year, we know that. 
like you said, KJ Hamler, he could be back in a month and a half. He could be done for his career. Uh, he yeah. might be done. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I, he was a really fun college player. I know he's been a little bit of a meme in the best ball space, but like, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to add to this point. Like, it's very serious, uh, you know, issues with KJ Hamler. Right. So he he could just be completely done, which is sad. I mean, it is what it is, and he was already a fringe player at best, right? So now you have Marvin Mins coming in with a new head coach, too, who's looking for players to implement his system that he traded up for in the first place to get on the field. And now that opportunity is coming probably a bit quicker than they expected, but probably we're preparing for to begin with anyways. So your core of receivers are pretty much set in Denver now. You know you're going to get a rotation of Judy Sutton and Marvin Mims. The question is, how far do you chase them up? And that's a great question. I don't think there's like a, it's like pick 156 is the deadline or anything like that. But it's, it's yeah, I would chase him up a little bit if it makes sense for my team, which is probably like sort of a cop-out answer. But it is true in the sense that like, I still want him to be my sixth or seventh receiver, probably. I really don't want to put him on teams where he's becoming my fifth. We're starting to talk some serious draft capital at that point. Mm-hmm. For now, for now, <clears throat> this is ever evolving. <laughs> um, if he is going to be my fifth receiver, it's probably only going to be on Charger bringback teams or on Russell Stacks for you know obvious reasons there, or maybe. You know, if if I've had the question about like, are we stacking conferences and like I just I mean not conference divisions I'm just I'm kind of out on that because like if it happens naturally great, but division games are low scoring anyways. But that's a whole nother discussion in that's its true. entirety. But if you're doing stuff for like for your week 17, it makes sense for your team. It's a bring back. Hell, even if it's a bring back for. You drafted Eckler, but you weren't stacking up the game. Your fifth or sixth wide receiver, you kind of pushed it a little bit. Marvin Mims makes more sense than a guy that you might like a little bit more. Then sure, do it there. But we're not chasing him up, you know, like he's now the starter in Denver. And if that starts to happen, then hopefully you already have your shares of Marvin Mims and you can just move on and be like, I got him when he was... (laughs) You know, 16th, 17th, 18th round. I'm comfortable with what I have. If it ends up being 6%, then so be it. And that's kind of the way that I'm going to play it for now. Now, ever-evolving, we might see the third preseason game that Marvin Mims is the number one wide receiver in the offense, and he's getting all the snaps. Then we adjust again. But for now, that's kind of the way I'd be playing it. I think he's the perfect, like one one of the perfect examples of, uh, something that we like, it, it's important not to just fade risers and it's important also not to just chase risers. And you outlined a lot of the reasons as to how you can do that in practice, but also I, I, I'm more than happy to chase these kinds of guys up the boards within reason like mm-hmm. you said, and I, everyone should always be drafted on the guys that make sense on their team, right? You, if you don't need a fucking wide receiver and he goes from pick 160 to 120, you don't need to take him. It's a bad team to take him on, right? You got you got 
terrible value on him relative to right BBM. I'm just going to use BBM as an example. It's 50% full, 50% of the teams have him around pick 160. So that's something you absolutely have to take into account. But also the reason, the reason why we draft, you alluded to this earlier, why we draft now, right? Why did the barbell, the thing become so big? Why, why do some people refuse to draft early in the summer? It's because of this. It's mm-hmm. because you get to August and September and you say, I now know things that the May drafters did not know. And so you can't expect to know more in August and pay the same price that the people paid in May. You cannot have both of those things. When you know more, the price increases or, or decreases, right? Like theoretically, Jacobs, we knew more, but you know, Marvin Mims is now and should be a a higher pick because the guy who was blocking him from playing every snap is hurt again. And the other guy who was probably not blocking him, but at least a a small thorn in his side is also hurt and may never goddamn play football again. He has no more, you know, impediments to being an every snap player on the outside depending on what they do with Judy in two wide receiver sets. Right. But in three wide receiver sets now, there is no one blocking Marvin Mims. Right. We didn't know that in May. Quite frankly, we knew the opposite in, in May. It was just like great draft capital, fun prospects. Sean Payton likes him. Let's take the shot. But we were just betting on talent and offense and right. And, and all and new situation. We were betting on all of that, but he actually was not really projectable for a big role, at least early. Now he is. So his cost should change. And thus you should draft him at an earlier ADP than went before. Now, if we get, the freaking Marquez Callaway where he goes from <laughs> the very end of drafts to the eighth round. That's a very different. Now we have to address that because I don't want to be taking a guy who was going in the 15th round of every draft in the eighth round necessarily. But this is the point. He is the point of why we draft now. So you can't just say, I'm going to ignore those guys. I mean, you can, that's up to you. You can draft however you want, but if you like Marvin Mims, you can't say, well, I waited till August to draft, but shoot, he rose from 160 to 120. I can't take him. It's like, no, th- this is why you you waited to take him is because now you know he's a better pick now. And you also get access to things that you can draft now that you couldn't draft before, right? Other guys fall, right? So he goes up, but other guys are going to fall. You just mentioned Najee. We are going to get more Josh Jacobs. We're going to get, I mean, look at all the running backs. Jesus, who was somebody who was in the Jed Arnold is out here. Like running back is so weird this season. Yeah. You might get fourth round Jonathan Taylor here pretty soon. <laughs> so like that, you know, there's just so much you can do that. I'm not saying draft Marvin Mims, but I'm saying, assuming he doesn't rise to such a level, that's crazy, which I don't suspect that he will. Like, this is the reason why you draft in August is to target these kinds of guys. Cause now we know more. Right. And it's why we get them early in the season, too. I mean, I think I looked up my exposure. Zero percent KJ Hamler. I had one team with Tim Patrick and I'm at 10 or 11 percent Marvin Mims. So it's just I was already making that bet. I'm glad I did make that bet. I'll continue. But what you got to remember, too, is now that you have this information, so does 90 percent of the other people that are drafting that are actually paying attention. 
And I guarantee someone in your draft is too. So if you're looking for him, you might need to be cognizant of the fact that you might be the one that has to reach six picks for him. Mm-hmm. Again, what does ADP matter at this point? Especially in the back end of drafts. Whole nother discussion. But be cognizant of that stuff. Like don't don't try to push them. Like you you can try to push some players here and there. Like Jalen Hyatt, we talk about him all the time, right? <laughs> Having a great camp, but you can still push Jalen Hyatt to around where he's going. You can't do that with a Marvin Mims anymore because he is going to rise. So if he is a guy that you are targeting for your specific team, I would grab him, you know, earlier than you normally would. If like you think that there's a fringe chance of him coming back to you and you really want him, that's when you start grabbing him, right? So yep, a hundred percent. Some good comments in the chat. Hey, shout out to uh, Ben Benjamin, twenty eight percent Marvin Mims. Hot damn, uh, that's fun. Uh, I would be feeling very good about. It. I think I just looked. I have eight percent Marvin Mims, but I have drafted. <clears throat> excuse me, Tim Patrick on one BBM team and two puppy teams. So uh, yeah. uh, we've knock on wood, we've avoided. And I, I, quite frankly, you know me, I don't draft a lot of the early running backs. The the Ramondre issues, the Jacobs issues, the JT issues, all those issues, not really my my thing. <clears throat> I'm just sweating Brees at this point in time. Uh, he's the guy who I am overweight on in early early running backs that I'm you know, I'm sweating Dalvin and the the veteran backs, obviously. Um, but do you uh, think do just... that we should make people qualify when they say they have 28% of a player, how many teams they actually have drafted? 28 is a good number where it sounds like there's a healthy number of. Yeah, of you don't. 28 there. is a pretty. It's tough to get there without drafting quite a few teams. I feel like I'm not a mathematician, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know where you run into to you know 14 teams. Can you get to 28? percent I I don't know that, but at 28 uh, percent, I trust. Also, if you're listening to this show. I feel like you probably have drafted a certain amount of teams. Like this ain't this ain't your ESPN uh, fantasy football content. This is this is definitely uh, some sicko stuff. I just want to answer uh, TJ's question off topic, but do you guys think the DK ten dollar milli will fill? I do not. Um, how how close? I don't know, but um, I don't think the overlay is going to be like so much that we're like holy shit. Uh, I do think uh, if you look in. Your upper right-hand corner, uh, our, our buddies at Drafters. I think that's the the overlay we're going to be talking about here down the stretch that you should be considering, like actually trying to take advantage of because it's – I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to filling. They just don't have – right, DraftKings – shit fills fast at the end on DraftKings because they have yeah. millions of users that just pop in and for 10 bucks they'll draft a fantasy team, whereas like Drafters – they don't have that user base. It's harder for them to, to pull people in really quickly at the end. People will chase the overlay there, but um, I also feel like the overlay is a little bit more helpful um, there because you're just chopping off. You just got, you got to beat all these teams on yep. drafters. I don't have to beat everybody on DraftKings because I only play against 11 other teams in each league on drafters. Like dude, chop off as many of those teams that I got to beat, you know, to, to beat a hundred thousand people. Um, so just, uh, had me thinking about uh, about the overlay type stuff. Good lord. Okay, so maybe TJ. Uh, uh, it, oh, that w- the TJ wasn't the one with the Mims, right? No, but it t- was TJ Benjamin. has seventy five percent Bijan. So yeah, um, but did he draft four, four teams? I was just gonna say he's got four teams. <laughs> you know, like that's we're why we getting, have to qualify. We have to qualify. Just, like if you're gonna give we're us definitely just percentage. kidding. Yeah, we're definitely just kidding. But um, 
Uh, that is funny that you just so happened to uh, uh, bring that up. Was there had there been anything else thus far right. in camp? Go ahead, real quick, because we have people throwing percentages. Jay Chang is saying that he has twenty three percent Rasheed Rice. Those are rookie numbers. Get those numbers up. Rasheed Rice numbers should be higher than that. I will. Uh, I will Matthew be... Mc... insert the Matthew McConaughey uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street gif here because. Uh, <laughs> Don't bring, yeah. Don't don't come to the table with Chiefs exposure when Rob is here because you're not going to beat him. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you're you. not going to win. It's it's an un, it's an unwinnable contest. It's like if someone came with a Sam Howell. Like I got I have thirty percent Sam Howell. Like mm, yep. wrong show, buddy. Wrong. Show. Take that over to Karain's show and let him know about this. Yeah. But uh, I was going to say. So we've kind of, you know, we've talked a little macro stuff. We talked some of the specifics. Marvin Mims is one of the best examples so far, which uh, really saw, man, Tim Patrick, that's, he's got some fucking shit for a millionaire for, you know, for bringing in the top 1% of earners in the world. Uh, he's got some, he's got the worst luck of the the top one percenters. That's just brutal for him. But, uh, and KJ Hamler too, frankly, but has there been anything that's really stuck out to you in terms of not necessarily, it doesn't have to be just a riser either. It could be a fall or it could be something you've learned that you think is like kind of real or doesn't even also have to be real at this point in time. It could be, it can be something that the market's not necessarily reacting to. Right. So why was I drafting here? I'll give a, an example before I kick it to you. Why was I drafting so much Evan Hall? I've gotten clearly lucky with Evan Hall, but like I wasn't drafting Evan Hall in May. I'm, I'm a, I'm a sicko. I'm not a, a total psychopath. I, I didn't know, you know, Evan, Evan Hall could get cut for all I know. I, I wasn't dipping into the Evan Hall waters on May 2nd or whatever. But as we've learned when they have gotten to camp, JT's has, is not practicing, right? JT also can't walk. Did you see the clips? He looks like a 75 year old man. He looks like me sometimes uh, with my back. It doesn't look good, but the, the real thing was, uh, Evan Hall's running with the starters, right? And <clears throat> that was a backfield where none of those three guys were getting drafted. Zach Moss, Evan Hall, or Deion Jackson. No one was drafting them, right? They're very low draft rate players. And say whatever we want about the Colts, it's like a, a valuable thing. Like JT is going to score fantasy points, even if the offense doesn't score a bunch of fantasy points. And <clears throat> having this low draft rate player, having uh, an uncertain situation where like Zach Moss and Deion Jackson are fine. Evan Hall is fine, but none of them were such guys that like, Oh yeah, just cause he's getting a little run here. Um, you know, it, I don't think it matters much who's getting the run in that backfield, I think matters. And so I pounced the moment I saw the Evan Hall stuff. I was like, dude, there's JT issues health wise, contract wise, trade wise, the team is rebuilding. I'm like, I'm pouncing now. I don't know if Evan Hole is going to be the backup, but I'm going to, I'm taking my shot. And I took him in every draft for like a week in the last round. Just, I just wanted to get in before the market picked up. And so that was one of those where I'm not even saying it's a hundred percent for sure. Cause he's still kind of splitting with what was splitting with Zach Moss. We'll split now with Deion Jackson, but I just want to get out ahead of it in case it is real. And there's so many of those as well. Has anything stuck out to you where you're like, I saw that it was interesting. I either think it's real or it could be. And I, I, I want to draft a little more of that guy. Well, the running back situation as a whole is what I'm trying to evaluate what the market's doing with a lot of these players and stuff. 
so I was already fading Jonathan Taylor. I just looked. I had one, I have one percent Jonathan Taylor. It was already a pretty easy fade for, for me. The Colts as a whole, I'm fading with the exception of like Alec Pierce late stuff like that. I don't have like any Michael Pittman at all. I've grabbed a little bit of Anthony Richardson, not much. I'm just not big on rookie quarterbacks to begin with at all like of all the his, rookies his price is getting starting to get a little nicer where that's i actually wasn't drafting him before either but yeah. the price is they're reeling me in like you're getting like 125 uh anthony richardson so i'm, I'm doing the same thing as you yeah but we always see that it's always like the second year we saw it with justin fields even when he was running it was his second year in the league right before he was actually fantasy viable trey lance and just everybody <laughs> like look at peyton manning he was fantasy viable, but he also threw 138 interceptions his first year or something like that. So I'm just not a big rookie quarterback guy to begin with. I think that of all positions, if you are going to be drafting in that range, there's just so many better values of players that we know what they're going to do and what they're going to do for the you know, duration of a season. We don't like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins goes around there, but we know what Kirk Cousins is. We know what he's going to give us. So... I know we're shooting for upside with Anthony Richardson. This is a whole other tangent, but that's kind of like, so the Colts as a whole, I think are going to be bad. I just think they're going to be a bad football team this year. So Mm -hmm. I'm mostly betting against them and I'm not drafting a bunch. Again, Jelani Woods late, Alec Pierce late, insert someone like Evan Hall. Now that we know who was actually running with the ones, I'll sprinkle him in. I'm not going to go overboard with it because I just don't know what the opportunity is going to be as a whole, even if he's on the field. Right. Like what, what is that? What is that offense going to look like? It feels like a lost year for them overall. I understand their division is relatively garbage, so they could sneak into the playoffs or something like that, but I'm, I'm pretty off it. So the stuff I'm looking at is running backs. I haven't been drafting Brees Hall like other people have. It just, you know, I have some more of him than I have Jonathan Taylor, but I don't have a huge stand on him. And then I'm looking at the ones that people are fading and trying to figure out why they're fading. And the the big one to me, like just based on where he's getting drafted, it's not like I love him, but Alexander Madison is the one that I come back to. And I was getting a lot of him early in the season when he was like real cheap, mm-hmm. like ninth, eighth, ninth round. Where were we getting him somewhere in that wheelhouse? Yep. Yep. Which if you want to talk about situations that made absolutely no sense in the drafting community, it was the Madison stuff because we knew for a month and a half that Dalvin cook was not going to be in Minnesota. They took his freaking picture off the Twitter, like p- image. We knew they were getting rid of him, Right. And people still weren't, weren't drafting them until they actually see the release news. And so I was grabbing a ton of Madison there, but he's going fifth, sixth round still. He hasn't gotten super pushed up the board. If you're drafting sort of the teams that we draft, where we're drafting wide receiver heavy most of the time. And we like J.K. Dobbins in that range when he's healthy, right? Why mm-hmm. the hell don't we like Alexander Madison on I, offense that I we agree. think is going to be relatively efficient? Like there's probably going to be some like quote unquote regression on what they do and scoring and pushing the ball a little bit, but not much. They're still going to be the Minnesota Vikings. He's still going to get opportunity. Why are we not taking him on those specific builds that he makes sense? Like people are are literally turning their nose up at this guy. So he's getting drafted on teams that are relatively not the teams that we draft. So this is the perfect example of like when we talk about 
if me or you draft a robust RB team, it's going to be different than the guys that normally do it. Yeah. Why aren't we taking Alexander Madison more? And I, and I make sure I mix them in. Like I said, I don't have to do it a ton because I already had a lot of Madison in the first place, but I'm still taking him. And to the, <clears throat> all the, the reports from, from camp are, he's a three down back. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell's, I think it was Kevin O'Connell that said, or one of the coaches said yesterday or the day before that was like, I don't think people realize how good Alexander Madison is. And I'll be honest with you, my ears perked up because I was like, that's true. I don't, I, I don't think he's that good. So I, uh, so, you know, it, I'm not saying that that's real either, but what I am saying is to like, literally the question that I asked you and what you were just speaking on is like the market is it's wild. Like Najee Harris continues to go that high. Travis ETN continues to go that high. Um, all these running backs who we don't even know are going to play this year continue to go that high. Some of these guys are good. Some of them aren't. Miles Sanders is not good. Miles Sanders is not better than Alexander Madison. We can we could sit here and argue about exactly how you know who is better and by how much, but like you know they're like this. It's the same. And yet, one of these guys out of all of them has no real competition like we're pipe dreaming ty chandler we're pipe dreaming Dwayne mcbride or they've said mm-hmm. kenane wong Wu might get a little bit of run but like think about those three names i just think of the I, names you're throwing out there <laughs> like Najee has jalen warren who might just straight up be better than him mm-hmm. maybe ty chandler or Dwayne mcbride will be better than alexander madison but that's like a a long-term type of a thing Alexander Madison is the guy is is like the is like the Samaje P Ryan of a backfield. But if you took Joe Mixon off of the Bengals, we would have taken Samaje P Ryan in the second fucking round last year because it's like uh this backfield is really valuable and he's going to get all the work as we saw him get when Mixon didn't play. And I've I've totally come around to Madison where I was buying I was buying some of him not as much as you did. Shout out to you at the old price because I do I I. There's also a little bit of uncertainty in that. Yeah, they could cut Dalvin, but maybe they bring Lenny in or something like that too. You know what I mean? There was a there was a wide range of outcomes in what sure. Minnesota was going to do. Not in terms of Dalvin, we knew he was gone, which was that whole thing was very weird. So that's also why I I push back all the time when people say like it's it's a really efficient market. So just you know when you get a guy that's an ADP value, just take him because the market's so efficient. I'm like the market has lost its mind over so many of the, like the Dalvin cook thing was absurd. The Deandre Hopkins, the same thing. Like we knew Deandre Hopkins was not going to be an Arizona Cardinal. And then he got cut, did not sign with anyone. And he shot up around and then he started slowly falling back down. Right. And then we were like, Oh shit, he's not going to the chiefs. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's going to the Patriots or the, the Titans and the, the market couldn't figure it out. But Madison is such a good example where, all, everything is positive right now. There's not a negative thing to be said about him, but he's not rising. And all the other, like it's like he's in the burning building of the running backs, right? Yeah, he got a little bit of money and all the other running backs are collapsing all around him. And yet he's not rising, right? I, I can't really actually make heads or tails of it. I understand it's a little bit probably of you know, the, the super sharp people are very price sensitive on the guys who do rise, right? They don't want to take Daryl Henderson when he goes from the 12th round to the fourth round, you don't want to take him in BBM, whatever. But like, he hasn't risen that much. 
And like, so I'm doing exactly what you just said. Like, I don't have as much as you do, but I'm making him a, a target and I'm going to make him a target on robust teams, but I'm going to do like yeah, Chubb, Dobbins, Madison, Penny or whatever. Right. And like, I, I'll take that, I'll, like that. I'll, Dylan. Yeah. I'll take that robust team to the fucking bank against your whatever CMC, right. Jacobs, Najee. Miles Sanders team. Like right. I'll go to battle with you all day, every day with that team. And I'm, and I'm using this camp time to try to do little things like that. Like you just said, like Madison's still going in the late fifth, sixth. How can I use that to my advantage when I don't really think it makes any sense necessarily uh, for that one. So that's a really good one. Do you feel like in the fantasy community, we do this thing where it's like, for years, we're looking at a toy that we want, right? Like, we're like, oh man, I just really want that toy so bad. I need that new PlayStation. I need that new PlayStation. <laughs> Tony Pollard. We really want Tony Pollard to be the lead back in Dallas. Alexander Madison. We're smashing him in DFS every time that Dalvin cooks out because we think that Madison is such a, like, he's so great in this offense. You can't not play him based on price and opportunity. I feel like we just do this year after year. Where as soon as we get the situation we want, we're like, now nah, we got to move on to the next toy. Like now, I want the Nintendo Switch instead, <laughs> even though even though we can get it, it's it's in our reach. We can get it now, right? Like we can reach out, we can grab it, but because we can have it, we don't want it anymore, right? Yeah, that's what Josh says. We're bored. Yeah, with Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison. Like it is kind of funny. Of all the running back stuff. These two guys were the guys everyone on the planet has been waiting to get what we right have. Here. Now it's it's on it's the here. platter. They uh, even if the even if the Cowboys bring back Zeke or bring in a veteran, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is this is the Pollard dream, right? This is the Madison dream, <clears throat> and with the likes of Ramondre and Josh Jacobs. And an old Derrick Henry and all those guys. I'm not saying they are like should be six round picks like Madison is or whatever, but like Bijan has never done it before. And I love Bijan. I'm not taking zero Bijan, but Tony Pollard was a top 10 running back with Zeke playing the most of the snaps last year. Now he's gone and we're like, mm, late second, two, three turn, right? Madison is a smash, as you said, without Dalvin. And now we get him without Dalvin and we get nothing but positive reports during camp. And it's like, mm, sixth round. Yeah. Sixth round. Right. Put Miles Sanders in front of him, put Najee in front of him, put all these guys in front of him. And it's like, I can't really figure out right. What the market is, is kind of saying, you know, to like, I can figure out what the market is saying, but I can't figure out exactly why some of those little things happen with the market. And I do think, I think it's just boredom shiny other things are shiny new toys or we're reacting to other news or you know there has been a lot of like oh well madison isn't actually very good so you know the zero rb bros are like he's a dead zone back uh you know so don't draft a player who's not very good uh but like he doesn't really go at the the prices that we were used to take but right? they loved Mike him Dick in the 10th round last year they loved yeah. him in the 10th he was a great in the 10th round the when Dalvin was there. Yeah, he's a he's a zero RB <laughs> smash in the 10th round when Dalvin is on the fucking team. But God forbid, if you take him in the 7th without Dalvin, you're a moron. You're an absolute right. moron. It's like, like, 
We've jumped the shark uh, to use a fantasy. And we do this with receivers too. It's not, this is not limited to running backs. We do this with wide receivers as well, where we'll let, so a perfect example might be JSN, right? We love JSN. There's, he'll probably start getting a ton of snaps this year and start playing next year, but there's a case where what if he has to kind of like, sit behind and play that third wide receiver role for two years. And then we finally in two years get JSN as a starter. And people are like, eh, been there, done that. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with him. I'm just trying to pick the first guy that I could think of that they would do that with. But it's, I've seen it with wide receivers too. As soon as, as soon it's like they want the shiny new toy that we don't know if it actually works or not. We don't know if that toy works all the time. Um, and they just they overlook the situations that arise. And I think those are the camp things we can be looking at, to your point. Madison looks great in camp. Looks like it's his show. No one behind him's really taking any snaps away from him. We're getting everything we want to hear, but nobody cares. So right. Right. as drafters, crazy. how can we exploit that? And that's what I look for. George Pickens doesn't even get open and makes a crazy one-handed catch, and we're like, wheels fucking up george pickens told you he's got that dog in him right that's what we're, we're gonna get all that bullshit uh coming out there but alexander madison is getting the tangible information that we want for a running back and and people are not waving him yeah. um and hacker I, brings, I, up, hacker brings yeah. up a great point he says just throw mike davis next to someone's name and we're all donkeys if we draft him which is a great point because that is stuff that i i've seen i've seen three mike davis comps all year, and there's nobody in the league right now, in my opinion, that actually comps to the Mike Davis situation. Miles Sanders, I think Miles San- Miles Sanders would be my Mike Davis. Yeah, but I think Miles Sanders was more like kind. He had done it more than one year. Yeah. Mike Davis kind of like just came out of nowhere in the backfield and then signed with Atlanta, right? right. So he had that crazy season with Carolina, and we kind of were like, mm. and he went to Atlanta. And we were like, yeah, we don't know if this is going to work, and it failed spectacularly, right? <laughs> So they converted CPAT to running back because he wasn't good. Mike Davis wasn't good enough. So, right. Yeah. But I just don't see another situation that, I mean, that is the closest one, the, the Miles Sanders one, but, but Miles was a high pick and, and has been, uh, you know, efficient on the Eagles forever. He's just, it's kind of like Mike Davis was a pro and I, I don't, I mean, Mike Davis was fine, like as a football player, but like that's, inherently how running back works like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of guys who can do some stuff at running back like literally hundreds of people on the planet can probably be an nfl running back to a a certain level that's why none of these guys are getting any money but miles was just a definitely a better version of of that but goes goes from a really high value situation where he exploded to a much worse, worse. I mean Way Carolina worse. we talked about Indy being a disaster and I yeah. agree I'm not I'm not super high on, high on the Colts but my god at least Indy has like a you know a couple of skill guys who are are pretty fun it's like we're 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 making up Terrace Marshall and <laughs> Visca you know it's yeah, yeah it's it's pretty bad in in Carolina but um I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, some other situations that we have had here. Uh, can we talk really quickly uh, about Joe Burrow? Uh, you know, I know you're you're obviously big on the the Chiefs, so naturally, uh, who the heck isn't big on the Bengals? They're all super expensive, so that's not uh, anything super crazy. Uh, I have a bunch of Jamar Chase, and you have none. 
which is awesome. We got to eight percent, Eric. Just oh shit, yeah, nice. Yeah, we Good got for to 8%. you. I, I think I'm at like it's it's yeah. I'm also I'm, I'm almost a little yeah. I'm almost <laughs> a little worried. I won't even say what my percentage is, but um, so many one oh twos and the occasional one oh three Jamar Chase. It's been it's been glorious. Uh, so naturally, Joe Burrow gets hurt when I when I when the drafts are the the fantasy gods are gifting me a ton of Jamar Chase, but um. Joe Burrow obviously falling a little bit in some drafts that I that I have done. Uh, the Bengals guys are not falling, and so I don't think the market is reacting like crazy. And you would always get some Burrow falling anyway. He's a he's almost like kind of a linchpin of a draft where uh, sometimes you're in a room where somebody's just going to take him without either Chase or Higgins, but a, a decent clip of the time he falls because the Chase and Higgins people are the only ones that want Joe Burrow. But, it's a site dependent too. Yes, definitely. DraftKings people will grab Burrow early with no hesitation if they don't have either of those guys. Absolutely. Um, I was just gonna say, is there anything that you've? I, I, I'm not worried. Let's just say that. Are you? Aren't you worried about whatever? I'm not worried about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, but I think it's it's actually the opposite of Alexander Madison, where we're getting all this great stuff. And it's the situation is golden and the market doesn't care. He's not rising, but on the Bengals side, obviously Joe Burrow's probably not going to play for the rest of training camp or practice again, not worried about that. He will be fine, but also calf strains, man. It, it's not nothing. Let's just say we dock a lot of players in fantasy for injury history and being hurt. Right. Javante Williams is fucking practicing right now. Javante Williams had a quote today about like, oh, yeah, we got full padded practice. I'm going out there full go tomorrow or whatever. And it's like we're still docking him for mm -hmm. his injury, but he's apparently fully healthy. Joe Burrow is injured <laughs> right now with an injury that can lead to other right calf issues can lead to Achilles issues and other issues if your calf is not strong enough and they linger and can cause some other problems down the road. So like I said, my main assumption is I'm not worried, but the market isn't worried. And so it's like the Madison thing, but on the flip side where like, I don't know, man, I'm not going to draft Burrow really right now. I'm going to try to see if I can get like mega, mega value on, I'm, I'm not going to ignore him, but I'm not taking him at ADP right now because if the market isn't worried about this, let me see if I can get in a room where I can get late fifth Joe Burrow or something like that. You know, it just felt, I just thought it was weird that we react so swiftly to injuries in particular, but then Burrow it was like, nope, no, we're good. No one cares. Like, absolutely no one cares about him. Yeah, but I think it's like he's also a quarterback. Wouldn't we be a little more concerned if he played a different position and was running on it all the time and stuff like that? I the run the running matters at least like a little though. At his price, no, he does course. run a, he does run a little like he's not Lamar, but like he runs a little bit. And if you if you just right, it's like these little things that you, you start to zap away from guys that it's like why does why is Aaron Rodgers gone in the ninth round of drafts for so many years despite being an MVP candidate? It's like, well, there's no rushing juice there, whatever. And it's like, 
the margins are thin when you're taking quarterbacks in the first five rounds or something like that. That's why Herbert goes where he goes. Cause he doesn't have the rushing juice that these other guys have. And it's like the little, just little thing, little dings to the quarterback do matter. And I'm not saying this even dings him. He's probably going to be fine. He's Joe fucking burrow, but like, it's just, you know, we're, we're trying to find tiny little micro edges, especially at this part of the year. And I feel like, like I said, it's, it's Madison, at quarterback, but the opposite story, right? Where nobody cares that there's some negative news uh, and negative injury concerns about him. That's fair. I just think it's because of how early it happened in camp and everyone feels like he's going to be fine. What I'm using it for is I think Burrow is going to be the MVP of the league this year. So maybe I can find some markets where I like that. I I can bet that a little bit more, but I think, I mean, we know this is the year the Bengals kind of have to do it. This is the year they have to put it together so I, unless he's like fully, fully injured, I just, I have no concerns with Burrow right now, but I'm not also, I'm not going out of my way to draft Burrow, even though I think he's going to be the MVP to your point, like with the rushing stuff, I'm going to draft him. I want to be slightly overweight on him, but I'm not like going out of my way to make sure that I have 12% Joe Burrow or 13% yeah. Joe Burrow. I don't want five. So I'll manage that a little bit, but if it starts to dip, I, I just it's not going to change much for me for some of the reasons you laid out. He could go at pick 40, and we see in the draft earlier for TJ, he got him at 68. So the range of where you get Burrow, and if you want to save like some capital to the point that you made and just hold off and see when you can get him a little later, sure. Like that's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that. I just, I'm not going to change my approach with him. He's going to be a guy that I grab with T or Chase. I want to still grab him occasionally without those two guys and build some Boyd Irv, Chase Brown, especially now Travion Hurt. I think you can explore some Chase Brown stuff. Uh, Even even Burrow Mixon. So if you wanted to grab Mm -hmm. Burrow Mixon at like the four or five, then grab either Tyler Boyd or Irv Smith. Like, I kind of like it with our Smith because I think it's just so different because I feel like there's an inherent need for people to draft a wide receiver for their stack with their quarterback. But if you're stacking Mixon, Irv Smith, you're getting, you know, we Mixon can catch the ball. We've seen Mixon oh, catch yeah. the ball a ton out of the out of the backfield. So I still think it's a, you know, is it the number one stack in Cincy? Of course not. But these are little different Joe Burrow teams we can make. And then you can still bring it back with almost anyone you want on Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, literally right. anyone besides Kelsey you can have a bring back from the Chiefs uh, if if you want it. But that's actually a really good point, both for that specific example and like the market as a whole. It's like this is a good time to build different teams. Yep. Like I mentioned, I'm trying to push Joe Burrow, um, but it's because give me the team that has Burrow with Chase with whatever combination of players that I haven't been even if, if I'm never able to access it, probably no one else is really accessing it very much. And now might be the time to try to do it. Like you said, TJ, uh, you know, got burrow at 68. It's like, now you just built the best Joe burrow team, you know, in terms of his specific price, you just built the best Joe burrow team that you could possibly build. I want to build those right now. Cause the same thing as you, I'm, Burrow, I, I would call Burrow and Herbert pretty similar where I definitely am not fading them, but I'm right. not like, oh my God, I got to go 
I got to get 20% of these guys. And I, they're just kind of like, whatever happens, happens. I'm drafting their weapons. And that, so I'm getting the benefit of them anyway. Uh, you know, I'm going to be at or above. Apparently I'm going to be way above on Jamar Chase. I'm going to be at or above on the the receivers and the running backs and stuff. And so whatever, I don't care that much about the quarterbacks, but I'm not fading them. But so, but you know that going in and you're like, okay, let's manipulate the camp time to be like, if this is the time where Burrow might fall even more, now I'm going to get really like my 8% or 10% Joe Burrow teams. I'm going to get as many of them with really, really good prices on Joe Burrow. And it's like, I, well, we talked yeah, a little make, bit. Last, make, last, make no mistake. If he's dropping this week, if I notice he's dropping on drafts, most of my time. teams are going to be Joe Burrow. And then I'm just done after a week. And it's yep. like, okay, my Joe Burrow teams are done. So it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, that's what I'm literally, I know they're not the same. I'm not trying to compare. Like I mentioned Madison. I'm not trying to compare cross positions uh, too, too much, but it was like the Evan Hole thing that I was mentioning before, dude, when Evan Hole rises up here, like, cause I think he's going to uh, multiple rounds, you know, who's not drafting him fucking me. I'm not right. taking 14th round Evan Hall. I'm not a, that, like, no, thank you. Uh, we did that with Darrington. It was fun. The bit was great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate him forever. Uh, uh, not for my bank account, but for my, you know, brand, uh, the, the, the bank account did not go well with, uh, with Darrington. Uh, but that, the first run in the preseason, let me tell you what, that was a lot of fun. I was watching, I have a TV right here in front of me. Uh, I was, uh, the wife was like, why are you screaming uh, You know, at the TV? And I'm like, Darren, I was just ran for 20 yards on the first carry of the preseason game, whatever. But uh, The, the but inverse the- of the Evan Hall thing from last year is the Isaiah Pacheco situation, where when you see a guy that's going from undrafted to screaming up the boards, you can kind of take him wherever, like for the rest of the season, within reason. Within reason, right? He got oh. he got to a point where it wasn't within reason, but yeah. that was um, last year. I was trying exactly what you just said with with Pacheco, where he was going undrafted, and you have to also have to think about like the profile. The ceiling for Pacheco was even greater than what he produced at last year. And he had a really good season for the chief. The ceiling was like, holy shit, this dude is the man on the chiefs in the backfield. That's like league winning. So you yep. can chase those guys up the board because of, of what you just mentioned, right? They're undrafted for most of the year. It doesn't matter that other people got them in the 18th round. If you get them in the 14th, like it really doesn't matter, but you have to be smart. Like it's like Damian Pierce, like, chasing Damian Pierce up to the sixth round or whatever last year was like, mm, I think, I think we're getting out uh, over our skis a little bit. Whereas like you said, Pacheco, the Pacheco types, you know, like if we get word, it's the opposite with Madison, um, all the news that we've gotten. But if we get word, like all of a sudden Ty Chandler is pushing Madison for starting running back touches on the Vikings or whatever, like, uh, yeah, I don't I don't care if he goes in the 14th round. Like give me the Vikings starting, you know, potential starting running back in the 14th round when he's yeah. not 100% drafted. I don't care that Rob has him on in the 18th round on other teams. I care about getting I want him on teams. <laughs> like like I, I just need him in my portfolio. So, it's that balancing act. But to that point, if now Ty Chandler is an 8th round pick, it's like okay, I think now it's just time to be like uh if he crushes, I lose and that's okay. Right. I, I completely agree. That's kind of how I try to approach it. And it's trying to find the balancing act. And uh, we'll see it every year. 
and we'll have these situations arise every year and all that fun stuff. I want to end the show by reading a couple of reviews from our Spike Week podcast feed. Sorry, couldn't think of the word for a second. <laughs> Not that I'm on a fucking hundred of them every day. Um, <laughs> but let's read some of these. So the first one's from D. D. Sados. It's titled Best Ball Help at Its Finest. Nobody circles the wagons like buying foreign Coakley on best ball theory and strategies. All episodes are easy to apply and provide valuable insight. The what if episode is unique and thought provoking. NWO and Spike Week are just too sweet. That's a good one. That was a good one. Um, th- these people just put these names that I just don't know how to pronounce. Yak Nihos. <laughs> he's in the Discord. Lady. Yeah, I, I still don't know. He won. Please. He won Give when you hit, yeah, he's 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 very smart. I he's an awesome member of the of the Discord. If you are watching this, tag us in the Discord and please tell me how to pronounce that because I have not oh, yeah. I just call him Yahoo. Well, there you go. Because it, it looks kind of like Yahoo. Yep. It's obviously not Yahoo, but I don't know how the hell to pronounce that name. If you're a diehard fantasy football player or even a casual seeking the ultimate pod to dominate the best ball format, look no further than Spike Week. This remarkable podcast delivers a wealth of knowledge, expert insights, and a delightful listening experience that will undoubtedly elevate your best ball game to unprecedented heights. Um, And I had one more I wanted to read. Uh, This is from B8365, titled A Must Listen. Love the Sunday morning streams the best but eric rob and the whole spike we crew are all a fun and great listen fun to get new draft ideas and then go out and try it after a pod so oh actually one more one more because this one was kind of funny this one's from honkers um titled if you want to win a great if you want to win money in best ball this is a great podcast before watching this show i was still drafting running backs like (laughs) it was out of style i was out of control then these guys said hey Stop that. Since then, I've been, for the most part, cured of running back-itis. I can now draft a good team and am no longer ruthlessly mocked for drafting seven quarterbacks. Five <laughs> stars all the way. Good year, idea. by the way, to be uh, to come around to the not drafting <laughs> running backs. At least we didn't make our brand, you know, drafting all the running backs who may not play this year, you know, or requesting trades or the owners of their team are saying that the NFL is never going to remember who Jonathan Taylor is. And <laughs> like, you know, Christ. at least, at least yeah. we didn't make our brand around, like you got to draft those guys. They're such a great value or whatever. So uh good year to come into the, even if it's just closing line value, a good year to come into that. Uh, but also I'm going to go back and delete the, the um, review that was uh, uh, it also, he could have added at the end and it would have triggered me less, but saying the Sunday morning shows are my favorite. Well, for, oh, anyone, well, that does, for anyone that doesn't know, I only Rob, Rob does Sunday mornings <laughs> by himself, not, not me. And so um, I'm like, you could have, could have just said we're awesome you don't have to say that the sunday morning show is your is your favorite because that's just uh you know a feather in rob's cap we don't really don't need to put that out there for everybody to see yeah you know job review time i'm going to be presenting that yeah, review exactly they, it's they on they the like front you. page of his fucking resume <laughs> is, uh... yes anyways i just thought it would be fun to start reading a few of those throughout these shows to uh make sure that we're including our community through and and um we talked about that before 
there's a lot of comments on the videos that are not necessarily ones that you read off or people are asking questions or providing extra color to the conversation or whatever. But um, if you ever, like if you leave a podcast review, a five-star podcast review, we'll do what Rob just said there. We mentioned five stars. Last, last, it has to be five stars. You leave four you stars. Leave, you, you leave zero stars. You can fuck off. You leave four <laughs> stars. It's not going to get read, but uh, it's still okay. Whatever. Thank you, you leave a five-star review. We will read it on here. So however you would like to do that, obviously uh, appropriateness is, is something, but we will read all the five-star reviews on the shows. And if you leave a, if you leave a YouTube comment as well, that's uh, kind of similar to the vein of uh, the your podcast review. You know, it, it could even be a question or however you want to frame it. Write five-star uh, review in front of it. And if it says five-star review in front of it, we will read it on the show because I know Perfect. not everybody has iTunes. So if you write exactly. five-star review, we will read that comment on the, sh on the show at the end. So drop a comment here on this video if you're watching it after. Um, and that's how you can get on the next show. Really quick housekeeping. Uh, we are about to drop the price on the NFL package. So it's $299.99, $300. You get access all the way through the Super Bowl with that, uh, with our NFL package, right? So you're covered for in-season best ball, everything uh, playoff best ball obviously sweating your teams throughout the whole course of the season uh we're about to drop that price so be on the lookout for that and then this month august is going to be uh what i'm uh we haven't announced this yet first time when i'm even mentioning this, this is going to be drafters month so uh, we've been drafting tons of underdog teams, tons of DraftKings teams and all that. We're going to be ripping a ton of drafters drafts. Uh, obviously, we love them and support them and they give us, you know, a a different version of best ball. That's that's really awesome with their cumulative format and full PPR in 20 rounds. I love the drafters product. They've made huge upgrades, by the way, to like the app and the, the web drafting experience. They're doing an awesome job, but. Um, the reason why we're doing this is I think this stuff is going to overlay big time and their, their main $20, their $3 tournament is not going to overlay. I don't think, or if it does, it, it's more than half full uh, now, but their $20 tournament, which is $300,000 to first place, I think is going to overlay a ton. So we're going to be doing tons of drafters drafts and drafters content and if you have not signed up there, make sure you check out in the in the corner there. Uh, you can get a hundred percent deposit bonus. You can also get a free month of Spike Week Premium if you sign up for Drafters using promo code Spikes. So you can get a hundred dollars free and a free month of of Spike Week. And we're going to be doing a bunch of Drafters stuff here in August as we head down the home stretch. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think we have so many goddamn contests that we can draft into nowadays with best. It used to be like there was just best ball mania and like that was it. And now there's so many. And I want to make sure that we're talking about some of the ones that can be the most advantageous and the most profitable for all of us to draft into. So this month will be a lot focused on that. Yeah. Be hitting a lot of drafters draft. We'll be doing some more high stakes stuff. It's going to be a very very busy month but it's going to be fun and then the season's going to kick off and we're going to be like man we never want to draft again and then the resurrection draft <laughs> then, will yeah. drop and, and then we'll be drafting immediately uh, and then yeah. we'll be doing playoff drafts and then february will be here and we'll be doing the big board so i mean <laughs> we'll just be drafting for the rest of our lives is what's going on 
our pets' heads are falling off, and uh, the it's 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 absolutely chaos being being a sicko. But we appreciate you guys, and uh, we're gonna be dropping some pre-recorded draft videos here here coming up. And of course, Rob has the apparently very popular Sunday morning sickos uh, stream that you can check out here later this week. But for Rob myself for all the dogs and all you guys and all the tra- training camp news reporters allowing us to talk about uh, George Pickens and Marvin Mims and all these guys. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Ooh, those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.